Next in line for our spring sport championship wrap-up sessions in our podcast is track and field, May 19th and 20th and May 26th and 27th at Licklider Track in Jefferson City at Jefferson City High School. We hosted our state track and field championships. Today, joining me, Jason West, Communications Director, Lou Mazako, Assistant Executive Director in charge of the sport of track and field, and Jennifer Bethman, our Coordinator for Digital Media. Welcome to all of you. Thanks for having us. Okay, so Jason, we'll go right to you. We'll talk team champions, which, to be honest, the people who care about the team champions are the teams that win. (laughs) Everybody (laughs) else, it's more about individual and relay performances. But we do have team champions in our track and field championship. So so give us a, a little rundown of the five classes, Jason. Well, well, we'll start on the boys' side, where we had a, a couple of down-to-the-wire races, if you will, <laughs> pun mm-hmm. intended, especially for classes one and two, where we had co-champions, Haytai and Hermitage, tied with 42 points overall. For first place, Crystal City came in third. King City, one point behind Crystal City, finished fourth. For class two, Summit Christian Academy in Charleston, tied with 47 points for the championship, while Christian and West Platte tied for third place and 38 points. So class one and two boys, very tight team championship races. For class three, Bowling Green came in first with 74 and a half points. East Newton was second, and then Herculaneum and Lutheran North tied for third place with 30 points each. Class four, Festus won with 76 points. Hillsborough was second. Kearney was third. Hazelwood East came in fourth. For the Class 5 Boys Championship, Rockbridge came in first. Liberty North was second. Camdenton was third. Capital City was fourth. For Rockbridge, that was kind of a special championship as that was their 50th school championship. If we wanted to talk about their T-shirts and their goal for this year was to win 50 championships in, in 50 years of yeah, school this history. Was, this was the 50th year of the existence of Rockbridge High School, and they started out the year with 49 team state championships, Misha Sports state championships, and they were looking for 50 and 50. And their last possible opportunity for that was track and field, and boys track and field team got number 50. That's amazing. <laughs> And then on the girls' side, Class 1, Tarkio came out on top. Drexel was second. South Nottaway was third. Rockport was fourth. On Class 2, North Platte came in first, just ahead of Father Tolton, Regional Catholic. South Harrison was third. Maysville and Lutheran North tied for fourth. And Class 3, Lutheran St. Charles came ahead of Eldon, which was second. Centralia was third. Palmyra was fourth. I'll skip ahead real quick to class four. Kearney came in first, followed by Pleasant Hill and then Parkway Central. And uh, fourth was Ledoux Horton Watkins. Then class five, Cardinal Ritter, Blue Springs, followed by Lafayette Wildwood and Rockbridge finishing fourth in the team race on the girls' side. A quick quiz for everyone. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so so th- that's a lot of schools. We have five classes in both genders in track and field. Okay, so that's just the team results, and we'll get kind of got that out of the way at the beginning. Tell us about the event itself, Lou. You were in charge of this one. Your last track and field championships, at least for the near future. Talk to us a little bit about the events this year. 
Well, I will tell you, two great weekends. Weather helped out and was cooperative. I know there was some concern on our first weekend, first day, but we kind of got it in under the wire before Mm -hmm. downpour on Friday. Large number of competitors. We actually, I would tell you, had a record number of entries. Part of that is due to a rule change. The National Federation expanded relay cards from six competitors to eight, and I will tell you that Every team entered in Class 4 and Class 5 relays all had eight competitors entered. It's a unique aspect of relays now. But overall, great championships. We have, you know, probably 200 workers on site for each weekend, including our staff, volunteers, gate operations people, officials that make it work. And one of the other aspects I will tell you is I believe that we had a record for para-participants overall for the two weekends. We had a total of 13 participants, and I think that our previous high might have been 11 if I was looking back at the numbers correctly. So excited about that growth as well. But overall, I think we had two great weekends. Weather, excellent competition, especially if we can learn to put the hurdle flights on the right spot. (laughs) Lou is referencing on the first day of the first weekend, our officials who are incredible, our officials are really a class act. There was a a slight mistake, uh, a few inches in the placement of the hurdles in a few of the boys races in the 110, I believe. And the reason it happened, because a lot of people listening may have known it would happen, and they say to themselves, as people do, how could that possibly have happened? Well, the track at Jefferson City High School is designed to go, you could run those sprints either way. And so hurdle placements are marked on the track, and those hurdle placements, they're color-coded, but the colors are the same going one way or the other way. And for one flight of hurdles, they were accidentally placed on the other colored mark. That was the right color. Everything it was just an accident. And no one felt worse than those who, <laughs> who placed those hurdles because they really know what they're doing. And it's just one of those human errors. So we ended up rerunning those races at the end of the first day, as is very standard. And it happens. We are not the first track meet to have it happen. But that was one of the only real hiccups the whole four days. Yeah, it, it was, and, and, and it's going to bring something up. Many people who will listen to this podcast know that we lost Ron Whitaker, our longtime state meet referee, great man, passed away actually the Friday prior to the Class 1-2 state championships, and we had already known that he may be limited in his capacity, and then it, it just, things got bad and he passed away. But Jason Pyra, who's been his assistant for the last number of years, he stepped up. And there were just some things that Ron had been doing for years that we weren't aware of, Mm -hmm. one of which was he would start at one end and and one of the other site managers would start at the other end of the hurdle flights and they'd meet in the middle to make sure they were all right. Well, we learned that on the first day and from that point on, every hurdle flight was double checked and triple checked. And so, again, it was a mistake. It's a correctable mistake. I'm glad we were able to get it taken care of, but it goes to show We have a lot of people that have worked not just track and field, but on a lot of our state championships who bring a wealth of knowledge and some unwritten knowledge. And that was something that we missed, and we missed Ron very much. 
you know, but we, we got through it and kind of had a rough day that first day, but that was our only rough day when it came to that kind of stuff through the, through the two weekends. So Jennifer, there's a feature at the Missouri State High School Activities Association State Track and Field Championships that is, I don't know, it's, it's amazing to me. There's this, we have a backdrop with our State Track and Field Championships logo under a tent, and we've got a little cell phone stand up in front of it, and one of the longest lines on the venue is people to take pictures in front of that, yeah. of that backdrop. Yeah. It's amazing. And just giving them an opportunity to make them feel like they're somewhere important. You look at a lot of events like that, and they have backdrops with their logos, and and it's very official, and that's basically what this is. It's a championship event, so we wanted to give them something that they could take pictures with, and they could share and do what they wanted to do with, and it's just really been a great thing for them. You see everything from an individual with their individual medal taking a picture to an entire extended family. Yeah. (laughs) And everything Grandma in between. And Grandpa and mom and dads and everybody just they want to take a picture. Do we encourage them to tag us on social media or anything mm-hmm. yes. uh, with those photos and, and talk a little bit more about our social media presence at Track and Field? Sure, yeah. So we do ask that you tag us because we like to still highlight those as well and just share what everybody is doing. So with our social media presence, particularly at Track, there's a lot of events trying to highlight as much as we possibly can highlight videos getting pictures of all of the different events all the different kids everything that they're doing putting those out on our facebook's our instagrams making little highlight reels for the tiktoks and instagram reels on saturday saturday is a an interesting day since every event is a final and our results are hand typed onto the graphics that we post with the kids names the school the distance that they jumped or the time that they ran. So we hand type those basically after every single event. So Saturday is a little bit crazy when it comes to social media because we're trying to keep up with the events as they're going. So when we get to that 3200, we're kind of, <laughs> whoo, I can take a breath and relax for a second and wait till that next event's done. But it's, it's a lot of fun, but it's, it's hectic. It's crazy. In all of our individual sports, or most, I should say, there are simultaneous competition happening in those championships. However, probably none more than track and field. Even at wrestling, where we have eight mats going at once, it's all wrestling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But when we have track and field championships, we've got a race going on in the track, and then any number, we could have up to really four or five field events happening at the same time. It's a lot to keep track of, and Mm -hmm. for those who follow us on social media, I hope you appreciate the amount of really concentration and focus that it takes, especially on a day like Saturday of track and field championships, to get all of those results up on our social media. Yeah, there will be a a race going on and awards getting presented all at the same time and trying to make sure that we don't forget an event, that we've posted that event, that we've got those final results up for that shot put, for that discus, for whatever and trying to just keep up with the events as they're going. Yeah. Jason, I'm going to come back to you on records because every track and field championship, we set new records. So what what did we have this year in the Missouri championships? We did have a number of, of records set. It was a pretty good year for the dashes, the sprints. Not so good of a year on records for the distance events, but we, we did have a couple of those fall in class two girls, 1,600 meters. Elise Willems from Father Tolton set a class record in the 3200 for class five girls 
Natalie Bernard from Lafayette Wildwood set the record there, which was actually held by Anna West of Lafayette Wildwood set in 2015. So not teammates, but at least beat out an alum. A couple of the bigger storylines as far as records, one was was not a record. Zayla Atkins from Raytown South just missed setting the record in the class 5 100 meters by four one hundredths of a second which happens a lot in the 100 meters, but the interesting part of it was she beat the current record holder, Anaya Brown from Cardinal Ritter, who set it last year as a sophomore. So even though they didn't set the record, that, that was uh, one of the more interesting races. Probably the headliner coming out is Sky Lee from Parkway Central. She won four championships on her own. So as we said, Parkway Central was a trophy winner. They had 48 and a half points finishing third on the girl side. Sky had 40 of those 48 wow. yeah. half points. She won the 100 hurdles. 100 meter dash, the 200 meter dash, and the 300 meter hurdles. The most interesting part of that on the 100 meter hurdles, she set the overall record and set it in prelims and then broke it in finals. Wow. On kind of a lighter note, it was a record in the 4x8 100 Lafayette Wildwood on the class 5 girls set the, the record with a mark of 9 minutes, 9 seconds, and .99. So okay. they, they were obviously playing with the stopwatch, <laughs> trying to stop before 10. Okay. Were there any boys' records set? There were a few boys' records. In the relays, Haytai was the, the big winner. They set the Class 1 record for the 4x100-meter relay and the 4x200-meter relay. For Class 5 boys, 4x200-Brockbridge set the record again, setting it in the prelims and then breaking it again in the finals. Also, there was in Class 5, 100-meter Angel Dickerson from Camdenton set the class record. In the Class 3, 100-meters Brett Schwinke from Buffalo also set a a record. So there were a a number of records on both boys and girls. Okay. You mentioned that it was a good championship for the sprints and not as many records set for the distance races. I'm going to make a a very unsupported conjecture about this, but we've gone on and on about weather in all of our championship recaps. It was just a tremendous spring to get a championship in. However, if you're a miler or a two-miler, well, they aren't miles. They're 1,600 or 3,200 because we're all metric, right, Lou? Correct. Okay, but if you are a 1,600 runner or a 3,200 runner and your final is being run in the middle of the afternoon on a beautiful late May day... It is not the ideal condition (laughs) for a middle distance runner. That doesn't mean that it's dangerous, but fast times generally happen in what everyone else thinks is bad weather. (laughs) Colder temperatures tend to help our middle distance runners. Mm -hmm. Completely accurate, Jen. For the first weekend, weather was real cooperative even on our distance races. Saturday, second weekend, we were getting there, and for the 3200s, we had a water station set up if athletes wanted to take water. It's a safety concern. We're monitoring, just like we monitor for lightning and we monitor wind, we're monitoring the heat, especially for those distance races, and you know, we talk with our medical staff, but as you said, not, not as conducive for record-breaking. We talk quite a bit about how big state track and field championships are. We actually talk quite a bit about how big our music festival is, that being our largest student participation event that we host. 
track and field is our largest sport, and it is our second highest participation of all sports and activities. And you mentioned record number this year because of the rule change. But we manage a lot of student-athletes, and each of those student-athletes brings fans, whether that's family members or teammates. These students have competed with their teammates all through the year, and many of the schools are going to bring those teammates, whether they are qualifiers or not, to the track and field championship. So among the throng are the families, the student-athletes, many, many coaches, administrators, and then you know additional students who are not competing. So we do a good job, I think, of kind of managing a contained space. It's large, but it's a contained space. It's more than a three-ring circus. We have way more than three rings going on, but there are a lot of folks at the championships. Mm-hmm. We also do quite a bit, and Jennifer, I'm going to ask you a little bit about, we have some sponsorships all through the year, but track and field championships is one of our big sponsor engagement championships. We have a, maybe maybe something at everything, but you've got football and basketball and track and field are kind of our biggies for mm-hmm. in, ensuring some sponsor engagement. Yes. This year, we did have quite a few sponsors on site. As usual, we always have Blazer Sports Equipment, and they usually work with the schools and getting their equipment, and they pick it up at the site, and it works really well for them. And we also had the Highway Patrol was present. We had the Air Force, which actually had two different locations. They were up on the upper deck viewing spot for some of those field events. They had a, a booth there where they were talking and engaging with people and giving out things but they also down towards tent city had a huge big blue tent that was providing shelter and shade and they had the cooling stations that blow the cool mist on you and we walked down there to to check it out it was a i think 30 by 30 foot tent provided quite a bit of shade for people that didn't have tents or was hanging around there so that was nice of them to bring that and i'm glad that we found a space for it We also had the Missouri Army National Guard on site. They were as well interacting with people and giving away things. The Missouri Department of Social Services was there as well. They were providing things like sunblock and bottled water and stickers and things like that. So we had a lot of our sponsors that were on site to visit with the the people that were coming to watch. We also had our, our CVB was present. The sports committee there does a lot of work with us as far as getting things ready for that coordinating meals handing out meals the day of the police department with security and directing traffic because there is a a traffic change a big traffic change for jefferson city there in that area around the high school and so they're directing traffic and getting the buses and cars to where they need to go and helping out everybody that's new to jeff city just coming for the first time And we also had Alliance Highway Safety. They were our bib sponsor this year, the Show Me Zero Buckle Up. They sponsored last year and was, again, another sponsor this year. And they were on site, and they had their Buckle Up Challenge game that the kids could come and play. And we had that also at football this year. And so that was a lot of fun to watch the kids play that game and try to beat each other, putting seatbelts together, color-coded seatbelts together. So it was great to have that kind of engagement from our sponsors on site. One of the things you talked about kind of early on in that, this is a nugget of information for our listeners because people are interested in this kind of thing. One of the things that we kind of broker (laughs) is in our wrestling championships and our track and field championships. If you are a member school, some of your biggest ticket items to have an athletic program are if you have a wrestling team, your wrestling mats are expensive. Now, there's a lot of expense that comes in with all sports, but 
wrestling mats are expensive, and then track and field equipment tends to be a big ticket item. You you've got to kind of budget ahead of time. We're talking hurdles and high jump pits and pole vault pits, and those are kind of the biggies. One of the things that we offer to our schools through some of our partnerships with Dahmer, with our wrestling mats, and with Blazer Sports, with our track and field equipment, if a school is in the market for new equipment, if they choose to go through those vendors, they can purchase that equipment and allow it to be used for the first time at our championships. And after that use, the school then transports that equipment back to their school. They don't have to pay for any of the shipping. And then they also get a break on the price because they're actually buying a used item, although the use is pretty light. I say we kind of broker it. We're just in the middle of that. We do benefit from the use of that high quality equipment at our championships. Our member schools benefit from that use. But it's really a win-win-win for everybody. A lot of folks don't know that. Now, if you've been to the wrestling championships, you you see the multiple colors and the multiple logos on those Mm -hmm. mats. Well, it's because those are brand new mats ordered by those schools. We're going to use them for the championships, and then they're going to take them home. So just a side note that much of the public wouldn't know that that happens at those two events. Yep. I will add track and field, the biggest indicator always are the hurdles because the hurdles are typically school color and they usually have the school name and if not mascot on them. Mm. And so sometimes it's always interesting. People wonder, well, why does Jeff City have purple or blue hurdles on their track? Well, and the color tends to change every year as as a school is purchasing that equipment. Mm -hmm. And those are some great partnerships for us. Yes. I'm going to give everybody kind of a a last word. I see some notes around. They've got a few more things to say, and then we'll wrap up this wrap-up. Well, I will say we had probably a record number of participants entered in our second weekend uh, by virtue of the rule change. You know, when you have 16 qualifiers and the number of events, that doesn't necessarily change other than those relay alternates. But we're kind of still working our way out of the pandemic. You know, we lost the track and field championships in 2020. And, you know, 2021, we had to make some modifications. We had five one-day championships. So last year was our first year of really being back to what has been our historic, traditional track and field setup. And last year, we shattered our attendance records. We were like 20, we were plus 20%. And this year we met that and we even had a slight increase. So I am so excited for all of our athletes and our participants in every sport and activity because as much as it is about the competition on the track, it's the community that gets built. You know, I start my year with cross country and then transition to football. And in football, I've had stories, you know, where town is shutting down, they're bringing in a a county sheriff from a neighboring county to cover security because the whole town's coming down. In track and field, that individual aspect, as you said earlier, it breeds the opportunity for a widespread community support. And the other thing that you see in track and field, which I think we see in other sports, but more notably, is there is a joy between the competitors that Mm -hmm. they support each other. They want to win, but there is a support for one another. I still remember a story I, I noted a couple years back. We had a really hot day, 3,200, and there was a young lady who was struggling going into the last lap. And there were two girls that were behind her. They were you know, the 14th, 15th, and 16th runner, and I didn't think that the 14th runner was going to make it. Mm-hmm. But 
coming around the final turn and down the stretch, one of the girls that had been behind her was running right next to her and the girl was literally leaning on her. And that is, that's what, that's what education-based athletics is all about, is, is those big lessons, the community, and, and just the, the joy of playing. And, and so we had two great weekends. Yeah, it's, you know, I say this, I think every time, it's a cool event. (laughs) There's a lot of, a lot of what's right with humanity in our championships. Jason? Like to thank all the media that came out to cover the event, and they're very well behaved. (laughs) (laughs) No, no issues at all. So it was a very good event on that side as well. Okay. Before I let you get in the final word, Jen, I, I would be remiss if once again, I do not thank all of the workers, the Jeff City public school workers, volunteers, our officials, student workers that come in, our athletic trainers. Without them, you know, we we always say it it really takes two, it takes athletes and it takes officials. Well, in track and field, it's athletes and workers to Mm -hmm. have a great championship come off. And, and I, I will tell you, they they do a spectacular job, and it is every piece of the machine has to be working for it to come off. So one more plug for a great crew to work with. I'm going to finish this out with two things. One is a huge thanks to the community of Jefferson City, and we want to talk a little bit. We're, we're probably going to do a separate podcast episode on venues and how we choose our championship venues but for track and field specifically when you look at the economic impact on the Jefferson City community and in the surrounding areas we talked about record numbers of spectators and athletes those folks buy gas those folks buy food, those folks visit the mall, Central Dairy. We're looking at an estimated direct spend of $2 million over those two weekends, with the extended turnover being $3 million in the Jefferson City community. And just for tax collection in the city of Jefferson, 120000 just in, in tax collection. So the economic impact on the communities that host our events is significant. And, I, and this is just an example our track and field example. And this is a four-day event. We have other events that are larger events, but you know, being our largest competitor number, it does have a great impact. So that impact is why the Jefferson City Convention and Visitors Bureau under their director, Diane Gillespie, put so much effort into a bid for the state track and field championships for the next five-year cycle. And we want to announce, this is not the formal announcement, we've already done that, but we announced that we will be back at Jefferson City High School for our next five-year cycle for our track and field championships because the Jefferson City CVB and Jefferson City Public Schools and their superintendent, Brian McGraw, has been really key in modifying many of the things that we have done in this particular cycle to make it kind of a a better collaboration among all. So we want to thank him as well. My second thing is just looking forward. That, That was kind of a looking forward thing. Looking forward, we know we're going to be at Jeff City High School for the next five year rotation, which will start in another two years. We also want to reiterate and we'll talk about this next year that our class three will be moving from the second weekend to the first to better handle the numbers and our new administrator for track and field championships and stephanie turner is actually in the room and glad not to be talking right now however she was 
at every part of the track and field championships, learning, developing relationships, trying to determine how in the world to do this. Lou will still be around next year, helping as much as possible. But as we look forward to the 2024 MISHA track and field championships, we've got some big changes. We've got Stephanie, we've got class three moving, but one thing that won't change, well, it wouldn't have changed next year anyway, but we will continue to be at Jefferson City High School for our championships. So I want to thank all of you for helping us relive this year's track and field championships. And you have been listening to the MISHA All Access Podcast. This is Dr. Jennifer Ruckstad, the Executive Director of the Missouri State High School Activities Association. Thank you for listening to the Misha All Access Podcast and having an interest in Missouri high school activities and athletics. If you enjoyed today's episode of the Misha All Access Podcast or any of the episodes in this podcast, please consider subscribing or liking with your favorite podcast provider. It helps other people find us, and we really appreciate you listening and supporting the Missouri State High School Activities Association.